Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of family caregivers who want wellness tips and self-care solutions, who seek expert advice, and who want news about healthy aging on how to fuel our bodies and our brains, and how to bring wellness design into our forever homes. I'm Sherry Snelling, a corporate gerontologist, author, TV interviewer and host, and news commentator, as well as producer of caregiving educational content. I'm joining you from Southern California, where our interviews and news take us all across the country to explore the many ways to help you on your caregiving journey and to lift you up here at Caregiving Club On Air. Welcome everybody to Caregiving Club On Air. I'm your host, Sherry Snelling. As the stepdaughter of a proud Navy veteran whom my family lost a few years ago, this episode is dedicated to our military veterans and their family caregivers for Veterans Day. Of the 53 million Americans who are family caregivers today, a little over 10%, about 5.5 million, are actually caring for a military veteran. And while many caregivers experience the care of someone who has cancer or heart disease or diabetes or Alzheimer's or autism, our military caregivers also experience caregiving for somebody who may have physical disabilities and also who may have post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and other mental health issues. You know, a few years ago, I was involved in a really great project with the National Alliance for Caregiving, where we did some research around the impact to family caregivers of military veterans. And I traveled around the country. I went to San Antonio, Texas, and San Diego, California, and Norfolk, Virginia, to interview these caregivers, mostly moms, wives, and daughters. And, you know, since then, a lot has changed. We now have a lot more men who are stepping into the role of primary caregiver. We also have more young caregivers, even children who are under the age of 18, who are becoming primary caregivers to their loved ones. And many of them are caring for a loved one who was a military veteran. You're going to hear a little bit more about that today from our guest, Richard Louie. So, you know, it's important for us to dedicate this episode to our family caregivers who we think of all of you as our heroes. After all, our family caregivers are America's largest volunteer healthcare army. Without you, the healthcare system simply collapses, and we cannot thank you enough for your service. So, while we dedicate our episode today to the military family caregivers, we also support and send our love to all of our family caregivers who are out there listening. One of our gifts that we end each episode with is our Me Time Monday wellness hack. Today, we're going to offer you the Lantern Festival, which is Let It Go with Gratitude. We'll show you a little bit about that at the end of the episode. We chose that wellness hack because it kind of correlates and connects to Richard Louis' Sky Blossom documentary film on young military caregivers that you're going to hear about today. But we also have another gift that we're going to give to you. Robert Ray, who is the CEO of Blue Star Senior Tech, who we'll be interviewing a little bit later on, is going to offer our listeners a 20% discount for anything you purchase off of their website. Just use the code CARE20. 
So before we get to our three wonderful guests today, all of whom have ties to the veteran community and have put their talent and passion into helping family caregivers and older adults, I wanted to share with you a little bit of wellness news. We know that it's really important for caregivers to get a break. So easy to say, hard to do. And particularly during the busy holiday season, which we're now entering into, it's even more challenging, I think. So there's something called respite. You may have heard of this before. It is basically, it means getting a break. There is actually respite care services that are provided. Some of those services you would pay for out of pocket. Others might be offered for free or through like, for instance, your employer. But what this is, it's really for the family caregiver. It's to give you a bit of a break so that you can keep your stamina, your energy, your mental health at peak performance while you're caring for your loved one. And it's really important to take those breaks regularly. Don't think of them as, you know, once a year vacation. They really should be at least a once a week, even daily if you can, getting a few minutes that's just for you, where you can maybe run errands, but also think about focusing on yourself and your own health and wellness needs. So I want to give you some insights as to how to get this respite care. You know, I think most naturally we turn to our family and friends to help us provide this. There's a couple of really great resources out there that can help you as a caregiver, or maybe you have a friend or somebody who can set this up for you. So some online communities, one is called Lots of Helping Hands, LOTSA, that's L-O-T-S-A, Lots of Helping Hands. The other one is Caring Bridge, and there are several others that are similar. But what they offer is a calendar function so that you can go on and you can put into your calendar where you need the break, where you need the help. So it might be, you know, I need my son Joey picked up from soccer on Friday. And what you do is you invite in your family and friends, and then people can volunteer to help you out with whatever it is, you know, delivering a meal, sitting maybe with your mom for a couple of minutes while you go get a pedicure or go play, you know, a round of golf or whatever it happens to be. But it's really great because one of the things that happens to us as caregivers is when people know that you're caring for a loved one and they recognize that it can be, you know, very stressful on your me time, they say, what can I do to help? But we don't automatically have a list of things that we can just hand them and say, hey, could you take care of the first three things on this list? So this is a tool that really helps you say, let me invite you into my private community And if there's something that you can do, you know, over the course of the next, you know, few weeks or whatever, that would be really great. So I love those types of tools. Now, some other ways that we can get respite, for instance, if you are a military caregiver, you need to check into some really great benefits that are offered to you. TRICARE, which is the military health insurance, often includes respite care in their benefits. So again, that's for you, the caregiver. So you want to check that out. Another opportunity is through the VA. So through the Caregiver Assistance Program, there are up to 30 days of free respite care that you can tap into. You can use that over the course of, you know, you can use the whole 30 days, but you can use it over the course of a year to give yourself a little break here and there, and they will help coordinate that service and bring somebody in to sit with your loved one or be with your loved one while you do that. 
So check that out. That's really wonderful. I mentioned earlier employers. You know, a lot of employers offer something called backup care, and you should check into the benefits that your employer offers through your HR department. Backup care is typically used for emergencies, but we all know we have those frequently. And so if, you know, perhaps maybe your mom has fallen and you can't get there right away, somebody can be sent to go over there and make sure she's okay until you can get there. Or maybe you have a sick child and you need some extra help. So these are wonderful services that a lot of employers now have offered to their employees and recognizing much more caregiving in the workplace, if you will, how how your employer can support you. Now, a couple other things that I wanted to mention. Um, There's also the ARCH National Respite Network. So I'm going to include that resource link on our page. That's another way that you can find respite care in your community through the different services that are offered. Again, for military caregivers, there's a company called CareLinks. They're an online caregiver marketplace where you go on, it's like a match.com and you sync up with caregivers that can help you out in your caregiving life. And CareLinks partnered with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation to bring $1 million worth, I think it was about 40,000 hours of free respite care to military caregivers. So particularly during COVID-19, we know that it was a real struggle. So you can go check that out. I have that link on my website. I mentioned the ARCH Network, also the National Area Agencies on Aging, which is now called U.S. Aging. But all of these area agencies on aging, they they are across the country in a lot of our local communities, they can help connect you to services. So I'm going to have that link on the website as well. There's also one other thing from a wellness standpoint, you know, we often don't identify as family caregivers and that opts us out of a lot of these services that we can either tap into for free or get that extra help that we need. So again, the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, which is one of the preeminent organizations for military family caregivers, has something now called I am a caregiver, and it's an initiative that they just launched last month. It's starting out in the state of Michigan, and then they're going to roll it out to all of the other states. But it's really about self-identifying and then tapping into the support networks that are there to help you through your caregiving journey. And this is part of their Hidden Heroes program, which is focused on all of those wonderful family caregivers out there because you're all heroes on the home front. So we hope that you can get some respite breaks because this is a really key component to maintaining your caregiver wellness. We have three wonderful guests that we're going to be talking to today, but we're going to start with our celebrity spotlight interview with Richard Louie, who is a long-running journalist and NBC News anchor. He also has a book about his caregiving journey called Enough About Me, which is a wonderful read. We're also going to be discussing his documentary film that he did called Sky Blossom, which is really honoring and celebrating the lives of the 5.4 million young military caregivers, people who are in their teens or their 20s, caring for a parent or a grandparent who's a military veteran. I promise you, this, this film will make you laugh. It may have you shedding a tear, but it's very insightful. And as Richard said, it's really a family movie. It's there to spark those conversations that we need to have in our families about long-term care and end-of-life wishes.
Richard also mentions a lot of the work that he's doing with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and the Hidden Heroes Initiative. And I just want to give you a little pop culture on the Hidden Heroes program. The champion for that program is the actor Tom Hanks, who actually played a military hero and veteran in two movies, Forrest Gump and the wonderful Saving Private Ryan. And Tom Hanks has been honored by a lot of different military organizations, but his work with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation to support military family caregivers is really wonderful. So we do a, a shout out to him and we're going to have some more news about also his, his fellow actor, Gary Sinise, who's winning an award from the organization this year. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in our home design news that we'll give you in a couple of minutes. So here we are, our interview with Richard Louie. My next guest is Richard Louie, a well-known journalist and long-running news anchor on MSNBC. And in fact, Richard was the first Asian-American male to anchor a daily cable news program. But he's also breaking ground in other ways. He is a caregiver for his dad. And in fact, you know, four out of 10 of our primary family caregivers are men. And I feel like men often get overlooked when we talk about caregiving. We focus so much on women's needs and, and women's roles. We don't think about our men in these roles of caring for parents and grandparents and spouses. So we're, we're gonna talk to Richard today about his caregiving journey and about his new book. But I asked Richard to come on for today because this is our episode focused on honoring our veterans and our military caregivers. And he has a really inspiring documentary that he did on young caregivers of our military veterans. And so he's going to tell us more about that. So Richard, welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. It's great to be here, Sherry. Thank you for doing this and bringing such good energy to the topic and the community. Really, really thank you. Well, thank you. I was so thrilled when you said, yes, I could, I could do this interview. So I, I was just very excited to have you on. So the first question I always ask our guests is, where are we talking to you from today? What city are you in? Uh, I'm in uh, New York today. I'm uh, in the Upper West Side a couple hours before I, I head into the studio. Oh, wonderful. And how's the weather there in New York? <laughs> uh, it is sunny and around 70. So it's, it's, it's nice fall weather. I, I that's my favorite thing is fall in New York. Autumn in New York, I think, is, is yeah. absolutely wonderful. But totally we, we know that you're also very often out here on the West Coast. And in fact, before we dive into talking about your documentary film and your book, I wanted you to tell us about your caregiving journey, which has been as a long distance caregiver because your dad and your mom are out here on the West Coast in San Francisco. So tell us a little bit about what that care giving journey is for you? Yeah, I just landed this morning at uh, 1 a.m. on one of my trips. When my father was at the peak of uh, where he needed help, I was flying back and forth from New York to California three times a month. Now with my mother, who also needs caregiving, it's twice a month. My father's still in a caregiving home and he's doing quite well. And I'm always amazed at his, his durability, his strength. That journey is over the last seven years of being a long distance caregiver and taking on, as you know so well, sometimes primary caregiver, sometimes secondary. All of those fit in the same family of we're taking care of other people. We've seen a lot of rotations of that, Sherry, in the last couple of years as, th as things have changed. 
Well, and I know, I know you also have siblings. And one of the things that you talked about is that your dad, who has Alzheimer's, you kept him at home for a long time. And your mom was the primary caregiver with the help of, of you guys. But you really saw your mom also declining as she was in that, that role. So talk a little bit about that. She gave so much as a caregiver. This is a topic I know you cover very well. She did not I want to put it the right way. When I say she did not take care of herself, no, she did. She took care of her heart and she wanted to care for my father. But she did give so much that when my father finally had to be moved into a care home because of the amount of demands that were required to keep him healthy and safe, we were able to see my mom without the adrenaline. And without the adrenaline, she had really taken a bit of a beating in that she was starting to lose her own memory here and there, and that she was quite tired and had become weak in some ways because she was never sleeping, always never sleeping in her bed, always sleeping on the couch by the door in case my father would try to want to leave. And she would be there to tell him, no, you can't do that. And so, yeah, my mom giving so, and then when the pandemic hit, she couldn't do what makes us all people. She couldn't socialize and be with her friends. So she was inside her apartment for a year and a half by herself with an occasional visit. I didn't want to visit in the beginning because I didn't know what it meant. You know, I didn't know what I'd bring from New York. So all of those dynamics, it was a perfect storm that has now left her needing 24-hour caregiving now. And, and, And I'm so sorry about that. You know, so many of our family caregivers really did suffer, whether it was the emotional health or the physical health impact of the pandemic. So our prayers are with your your mom. And and I'm glad that your dad sounds like he's doing okay. You know, one of the things that struck me, Richard, I saw your documentary last year when it came out during the pandemic. And I actually streamed it again last night, because I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. And there was such a wonderful interview with a son who was caring for his dad. And he talked about self-care in a really passionate way. You know, as a male caregiver, again, we don't think our men, you know, you're strong and, you know, you're doing all these things, but you also need to take care of yourself. What would be your advice to the men out there who are caregiving for a loved one on how to practice that self-care? Yeah, four out of town, like you said, and you wouldn't know it, or I didn't know that when I first began the journey because of the stereotypes that are out there incorrectly. You know, I, It's kind of up to what's good for you about how to understand that dynamic and talking about being a caregiver as as a male. And I would I would say what's been most helpful for me and what I think is most helpful for others in the care community and the caregiving community is to just talk about it openly and talk about it in a way that is constructive and what drives you to do it. It's fine to say that, you know, you love your parents and you would do anything for them. It's fine to say that you, you know, would sacrifice your career and time to do that. It's fine to say that you've learned to cry in ways that you've never cried before. It's also okay to say I've laughed in ways I have never laughed before and that I'm tired and that I need sleep, that I am worried about my own physical health. It's okay to say that I'm worried about my own emotional health. These are not categorical 
eh, it's the end of that person. No, it's that, you know, you understand that it's not an easy space. And the best way to thrive in these uneasy spaces is to recognize where you're at along the way. So I think what's been the most helpful for me is just to keep on talking about it when asked about it in the most honest way possible. So if you were to ask me, Sherry, what you did, how are you doing? I would, or how's your dad doing? You know, I would go through and really think about how am I doing? How's my dad doing? How's my mom doing? And that, those moments of taking a breath to answer it in the most honest and, and it's okay to be vulnerable along the way is what's the most helpful for both what's been the most helpful for me and as well as the others, I think when I talk about it to change the dynamic. Yeah. And you're so right. And I think for, for anybody listening out there who has a friend or a sibling or anybody in their life, that's a caregiver. I I always ask, you know, how are you doing? Because everyone always asks about the loved one who needs the care and doesn't like, we don't always ask about how the caregiver is doing. You know, one of the things I've heard you talk about, and I just want to touch on this quickly, you said that you really were grateful and felt a lot of support from NBC and from your bosses there when you became a caregiver. What I loved, and, yeah. I, and I love the humor part, and I thought this was funny. You said, you know, it's it's not in the DNA of a TV news anchor <laughs> to ask for less time on air, <laughs> but you, you were really not. able to work it out. So tell me a little bit about kind of that caring culture that you have in your workplace. Yeah, I- I walked into the office when I was thinking I got to help my dad now because he would do the same for me. And the the thing is, and he had done the same for me at, growing up. And the thing I really wanted to do was to fight for him now. And that may have meant giving up my career as a news anchor and journalist at MSNBC and NBC News. And that was really a striking decision, but at the same time, very much straightforward for me. So when I walked in to talk to my boss and I thought, oh, she's a great boss, but I thought, you know, this is work. And she's going to say, Richard, nice guy, like you, but you know, we don't have part-time jobs. This is eight days a week, my friend. And on top of that, like you said, what person on air is going to ask for less time on air? Right. We don't, we don't do that. So she turned to me and she says, Richard, I'm a long distance caregiver too. And I just nearly jumped out of my seat, Sherry. I was like, wow, I cannot believe the, the perfect storm in a good way where she said, now I got gotcha, you and let's figure out something where you can make this work. And then began my Friday, Saturday, Sunday here in New York, and then me flying away other days of the week to take care of uh, my parents. And so that's why I flew back last night and landed here so I could work today. But that sort of caring company culture is, I think what we've learned in the last year and a half, it's worth it. She made this decision six or seven years ago, but a caring company culture really does yield, I think, amazing things. And, and the studies will show actually Harvard Business Review, Harvard Business School, as you probably have seen, did that great study that showed if you take care of your caregivers in your institution, in your organization, you actually are not losing revenue or profit. You're actually gaining and increasing EBITDA. And I think that's so important. And and that study that you mentioned from Harvard, it really was kind of a, a seminal moment, I think, for a lot of employers. And then I think 
Yeah. If there's any silver lining that came out of the pandemic, it was we had a big spotlight on our family caregivers, you know, particularly sandwich generation who are caring for kids and also caring for older parents or whatever. So it's so nice and inspirational, I think, for our listeners to hear that the workplace is changing and employers are kind of waking up a bit to the fact that they do need to support more and more of their yeah. employees who are going it- through caregiving. And Sherry, during the last year and a half, I mean, the suggestion by the medical community is stay at home as long as you can before you have to go in, Mm -hmm. which therefore meant we had a bump, my team's estimation of probably about 5 million new caregivers to the caregiving family of 53 million because of COVID. And this is even a bigger part of our culture than ever. And, and, And the number that you and I use so often of half a trillion dollars of un- tapped value from the caregiving family caregiving community it's huge that's every year yeah i often say that the healthcare system would literally collapse if we didn't have family caregivers i mean how would we take care of everybody if we didn't have all of our volunteer army right it's it's our veterans episode yeah. <laughs> caregivers are the volunteer army on the front lines of of our long-term care and caring for our older loved ones so you know that brings me to this really fantastic documentary called Sky Blossom. And, you know, here you are, you're, you've got, as you said, you're working eight days a week as a a TV news anchor. You are going back and forth to care for your parents. And then Mm. you found time to become a documentary filmmaker, (laughs) which is amazing. So it can't be done, but tell us a little bit about, first of all, um, I would love for you to explain the name Sky Blossom, why that was chosen. And then you focus, what, what was your, inspiration to focus on the 5.4 million that you talked about in the documentary of young, really children, you know, very young caregivers of our military veterans. I have six uncles who served, never talked about it. And being a reporter, I also knew the difficulty that our military community faces when they come back home. And then I put those two together and said, oh, no no wonder Uncle Don didn't talk about that. No wonder I only realized he was a Purple Heart recipient and the day he died. I didn't know. He never talked about it before. And when I was asked then to become an ambassador for the Elizabeth Dole Foundation's Hidden Heroes campaign, I was, I'll pay you. I'll do it. And it was because I I remember the the pride that my, my grandfather had actually about our country and our country's culture. I believe it was an honor to be the ambassador to talk about military caregivers. That's what the Hidden Heroes program is about. And with Senator Elizabeth Dole, as now I call her my mentor, leading and teaching me things about, you know, a servant leadership and just just being a uh, an amazing leader overall. And the grace that she would show in her leadership was always inspiring to me, Sherry, mm-hmm. and still is. And so there's no way I was going to say no. And when I say yes, I typically am not a person that says yes and doesn't figure out what I can do to actually do something. And in this case, the gap in our culture of understanding what it means to be a military family, what it means to be a caregiver and a family caregiver, and then you overlap those two. Then I realized we have a cultural gap and a cultural opportunity to, to, to show folks this is what is part of our American culture and our, you know, in, in, in all countries across the world. But I wanted to talk about our culture about being caregivers. 
And I thought film would be the biggest place we could go for to change culture and, and, and awareness. And I wanted to shoot big. And I sat down with Senator Elizabeth and I said, you know, Senator Elizabeth, uh, this is what I could do is do a film on young military caregivers. It talks about our military community. It talks about caregivers. It talks about our youth all in one. And there's a lot of things in it that will, I think, turn the ideas that I've brought up on, on their ears. And caregivers, aren't they the people that are my age? Nope. We have children that are caregivers across our country in military families that are courageous and represent a lot of things for military families, for caregiving, for our youth. And that's where it started. We went big. We were so gracious that Comcast NBC Universal leaned in from the beginning. They did it all the way to the end through distribution. And we had a million and a half dollars in in-kind and pro bono work for the film. We raised three million altogether. And it's a not-for-profit film. So the entire team, about 150 people, volunteered for the film. And that was so heartening, Sherry. You know the, you know the space. Yeah. Yeah. Big hearts, <laughs> big hearts, big brains. And they were all giving in in the way they could. By the way, I wanted to give you, you're the first to know, because I just got the call from the conductor, but our soundtrack, which was performed by the Berkeley College of Music Symphonic Orchestra, just got Grammy qualified. Oh, fantastic. We just got the word, and we only have to beat out 199 others now that we qualified, but... Hey, we're on it. Yes. <laughs> That's but awesome. Right here. I just got the call right before we, we got on. Breaking news. I love <laughs> That's it. Right. We're, we're breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Oh, that is wonderful. And, you know, Richard, uh, you said something that really hit home with me. My dad was a, a veteran. He was in the Navy. But you called these young caregivers the next greatest generation. Yes. So tell us what the name Sky Blossom, where, where did that come from? Yeah. Thank you to your father. And Sky Blossom is for folks like your father and others of all military generations. And when we first started using planes in, in conflict, we had paratroopers that would come in and help with medical needs, reinforcements. And when they the planes would come over in World War II, you, the, the, the paratroopers would jump out and then you'd see the parachutes open up. They look like flowers. And so the folks on the ground, the other troops would go look up here come the sky blossoms. That was the term of the 82nd Airborne from World War II. And we believe that these young caregivers in the film, there are five, aged 11 to 26, we believe they are sky blossoms of today. They're behind the front lines. They are helping and saving their parents or grandparents. They are the, the, the heroes at home. And they're also blossoming as people, great people. And that's why it's Sky Blossom Diaries of the Next Greatest Generation. I do believe they are the next greatest generation. You know the values that you grew up with, with your father. You remember the difficulties as well as the lessons that you uniquely learned because of being in a military family. And so I was completely surprised, not like I'm some chiseled interviewer of many, 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 many decades, but I've been around a little bit. I was absolutely surprised by the interviews that I had with these young caregivers. And I walked away with that surprise saying, 
they are the next greatest generation. I have such huge, huge hope. Yeah. And I love that. And that's such a beautiful recognition of, of what their role is. W was there anything, you know, you had a really wonderful, diverse group of these families and these young caregivers across the country in all different places, but was there anything that was a common thread, anything that struck you that you felt yeah. these young caregivers were about? You're right. We have five families, one from the Midwest, one from the South, one from the East and West in the Pacific Islands. Mm -hmm. We have a Latino family, Black family, Native family, White family, Asian family. And the common thread clearly was they're all different, but they're all very much the same. Mm -hmm. They all care about family and caring for other people. And they're doing everything they can. They got two full-time jobs, if you will. But to them, it feels like just one great job. And the commonality between all the families of giving and then of honesty, of, of vulnerability. To, for me to come in, Sherry, as you know, and ask these questions, and they sat with us, maybe each trip was about three or four days, and we visited them over four years, either two to four to five times. Mm -hmm. And their commitment to letting others in was really humbling and the emotion that they shared of laughter and crying of sadness you know that's special when you do that you're giving something to somebody mm -hmm. and so when i walked away from their interviews i told them in the beginning and in the end i know you're giving me a gift and i am going to guard this gift these interviews and what you're sharing with me from the beginning to the very end i will be there for every edit I will be there for every stitch of music, and we will make sure that I am true to what you have shared with me. It's not going to go off to somewhere else, and somebody might get it not right. Mm -hmm. Because when we were discussing, Sherry, what we're going to keep in the film and what's out, I would often go back to what was true to them and what we, we know is good to them and right for them, not what is flashy or will get the eyeballs. Which is so lovely. And and the, these, again, these young caregivers, they just struck me, the adults that they're going yeah. to become. I yes. mean, they are going to be our greatest yes. generation. Truly, they are. So, so let's segue because you also have a new book out. And I love the title. It's, it's called Enough About Me. <laughs> <laughs> and you call this the anti-self-care book. So tell us what that's all about. Yeah. All of this, uh, you know, the movie stemmed and was inspired by my own caregiving, as I said in the beginning, and so was the book. The book is an anti-self, self-help book. And I love self-help books, but I also don't like the ones that are all about me, 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 love me, love me, love me. You know, that we've, we've reached a point where, yes, yeah, There's a lot of that. <laughs> yes. yeah. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing that you and I have both lived through in, in our caregiving journeys is that we know it's about discovering what it means to be about somebody else, mm -hmm. about caring for somebody else and mm -hmm. physicalizing it, right? Mm -hmm. And our brains and our muscle and our physical muscles start to come together, one leading the other about how to care for other folks. So Enough About Me is an anti-self self-help book, meaning it's a very practical book. There's tips and there's, uh, there's to-do lists, there's words you can use, there are Poems, if you like poems, there are, there are cartoons about being selfless. 
And there are stories also about my journey uh, growing up as a kid in San Francisco and then learning what it meant to be a caregiver. Mm. And all that came together to try to change what I felt was a selfish pandemic that we're living through. Mm. A selfish pandemic, meaning, you know, why is it that I am reporting on so many mass killings mm. that are random, that the epitome of selfishness is I'm going to take your life because what what I am, what I believe is more important than your life. And I, I did way too many of those. Started with Newtown, Connecticut. And you had elementary school kids. Their life was taken all the way through to today. And I also saw the hate speech and violence that's so cheap right now. And I had to report on it. But I knew there was something else from my caregiving journey. It said, no, there's, a, there's at least 53 million people, now 58, that don't believe any of this junk. You know, they are, they're a bigger force. And I wanted to concentrate on the bigger force as a journalist. So I wrote about the idea of selflessness in a practical way from a journalist's perspective. Not because I'm some expert. I am not the most selfless person. But I knew that if I attacked it as a journalist might, what are the facts? What are the studies that prove this? What are the big ideas? Who are the people in the world that are doing this? So I share stories of some amazingly selfless people as a journalist, I've got to meet and tell stories about. Mm. And you know, what I love is that you really approach it from, listen, self-care is not selfish. We do know we have to right. take care of ourselves, but yes. you don't want to focus so much on yourself. Like you said, with TikTok and all this stuff that's going on, it's about me, me, me. And we talk about kindness and gratitude. And you talk about how, I think you say self- flexing those selfish lists muscles. That's right. Can make you more successful. That's right. right? And you you do. I mean, when you flex and tone your selfless muscles, because that's what it it doesn't just happen, right? It's you don't wake up and your mother Teresa one day or, or Sherry Snelling one day, (laughs) you got to work towards it. I'm still working on it. (laughs) Yeah. You got to work towards it. You know, this It's, it's little things and that's muscle tone. That is why throughout the book, we, we share those little bits that you can do. We make a conscious decision, for instance, so say the scientists, about every 15 minutes, which means that's an opportunity to think outside of ourselves when we make those decisions. I'm going to go buy lunch. All right, I feel like a tuna fish sandwich. Okay, I'm gonna, no. Hey, Sherry, can I get you a sandwich? I'm going. Mm-hmm. And there are other things that we can do, and we, we break it down. The funny thing is, and and. I didn't want to write a book about selflessness and not, I was, I was stuck. I was struggling with this. Should I include the things about making more money, looking better and living longer if you were selfless? Cause that's a typical self-help book. I said, you know, let's do that. Let's, let's dig in it. So the scientist and the researcher and myself looked at some of the science behind it. You do make more money. You do live longer. You do look better if you live in a selfless way. I won't get into it, but we we do prove it out in the in the chapters about that actually does happen. I think again, it's that as human beings, we need to stay connected. You know, we're social animals and we need to be there to support and comfort and yes. just have that connectivity. And I think isolation that we've all kind of suffered from through this pandemic really hopefully taught a lot of us that that staying connected is so important, you know. Amen. 
Yeah. Well, Richard, we can talk to you all day. And I, and I, I, I know we, we probably want to let you get, you know, some rest since you just got back at one in the morning. And again, I want to thank you so much for being here to share so much of your journey and, and everything that you've done on behalf of caregivers. And you were so kind about my dad being in the Navy. I'm going to give it back to you and say, you know, thank you to your uncles for their service thank as you. well to our country. Now, tell us again. So first of all, where can we find your book? Wherever you like to go get your books at, it's there. All right. And if you want more information, there's uh, on the website, it's uh, richardlouis.com, uh, L-U-I, which has more of a breakdown of the book and what's inside of it. Great. So we'll have that link on our website for the book, Enough About Me. And then where can we tell our listeners to go watch Sky Blossom, which I really encourage everybody to do? Yes. <laughs> it is an inspiring film for me still to this day. I was showing it to my mom last week. You can find it on Peacock. You can find it on Amazon Prime. You can also find it at Walmart in your DVD section if you're a DVDer or, or at Target. In addition to that, you, if you want more information about the film, you can go to skyblossom.com. You can see what the awards it's gotten, the film festivals it's been into. We're, we're really so grateful to all those who have recognized the importance of talking about caregivers and military families. I'd be very interested in what you think about it. So yeah, those are places. Yeah, and and I I love love this documentary. It's timeless. And even though you focused on, you know, these young caregivers of military families, it's it's something every caregiver yeah. can watch and really I think, you know, relate to. So thank yeah. you for doing yeah. that. Yeah. You know, Sherry, the, the the one last point on that is we wanted it to be a family movie mm. and we found that those who sat there with two or three generations at the same time yeah. often would have a discussion with the with the teenager and the parent or the 20-something and the parents and grandparents that they hadn't had before. Yeah. And that was our hope, to show that this was not one generation, uh, that our caregivers, that they're multi-generational across many, many times. And that is, it is a timeless idea. And it is. It is about family and, and you know, all of, all of that honoring our family caregivers who are out there. So, Richard, thank you again. You, um, I'm grateful to you for coming uh, on and sharing, sharing with our listeners. So you take care and have all a right. wonderful day. Thanks, Sherry. <laughs> Bye-bye. See ya. So as you all know, this is our episode where we are celebrating and honoring veterans and also our military caregivers. And our next guest is really exciting because not only is she a fearless entrepreneur and businesswoman, and she just launched a really fantastic new product she's going to tell us about, which is all about life storytelling, but she's also a great new friend and a colleague, and she is the daughter of a Vietnam veteran. So she is the perfect guest to have on this episode, and I just want to welcome to Caregiving Club on Air, Beth Saunders, the CEO and founder of Life Bio. Beth, welcome. Thank you, Sherry, for having me. This is so exciting. I know. I, I love it. I love it as we launch all this. This is really what we're doing. Lots of launches in our both of our worlds these days. So the first question I always ask our guests is, where are we talking to you from? What city are you in today? I am in Marysville, Ohio, which is outside of Columbus, Ohio. Fantastic. Oh, we love that part of the world is so beautiful. I know we've been on calls before and you've showed me like your whole big, huge backyard and it's just gorgeous. So are you having good weather today? We are today. We are today. <laughs> today. 
Let's hope it holds, right? That beautiful fall weather. Well, listen, Beth, I'm just so excited to have you on the podcast and have you tell us about what you've been working on. You had a very exciting new product launch an announcement a couple of weeks ago. Tell us about Life Bio Memory. Life Bio Memory is a life story app that's powered by AI. And it is capturing people's stories with their voice. So they have the chance to just say what they want to say, and it's giving them questions. And it's making it easier than ever for people to share what they want to share with their friends and family. So we're, we are so excited that it's now easier than ever to capture someone's story. Well, and I love the fact that you have a lot of different questions. You know, you can tell us a little bit about some of those categories of questions, but you, you also have visual images that kind of prompt memories. And I know that you're doing a lot of work, for instance, within the dementia and Alzheimer's community. So sometimes the communication's a little tougher. So those visual prompts are really great. Tell us a little bit about how that works. Well, it was important to build both question and photo prompts. And we had a a focus group of 35 people and five of the 35 are people living with dementia, giving us feedback and their feedback and the entire group's feedback was, wouldn't it be neat if there were images helping us, giving us ideas too. And so we had just questions at first, but then we added in the images and it made all the difference in the world. So they can always change out the image. So there's a default image, but if they have their own picture, it also gets them thinking, well, what picture would I like to add to my story under this topic of childhood or my work experience or my school experience or just something I've accomplished in life? There's 34 topics. So they have a lot they can talk about from all of these parts of their life because People are fascinating, Sherry. They they are. Well, I've heard you say this before. Everybody has a story to tell and your job is to capture that. Tell us what the categories are. Just give us a little sense of the categories and some of the questions. Yeah. So the questions would be about like childhood and hometown, work, legacy, love and relationships, music, activities and interests, maybe uh, collections, things people have loved collecting, reading religion and spirituality, travel and transportation. That's an interesting topic, travel and transportation, right? How did you get wherever you were going and tell me about your vacation time? Or, you know, there's a lot of really good travel stories out there. And uh, of course, military stories. Yes, I love it. And you know, I love the fact that you're recording. And so what you're doing is you're capturing the person's voice. You know, I've told you this before that I've lost both my dad and my stepdad and I've kept their voicemails on my smartphone and it's comforting every once in a while to pull it up and just listen to it. And now you're giving this wonderful gift to the the person, the older loved one, but also the family of having that voice tell their own story. It is amazing. And it has, as we've come to market with this, showing that and allowing people to listen back even to their own voice, or if we're working with a senior care provider or something, they're so excited that they can give that gift of voice to the family in, and make that easier because it's just powerful. And it, it actually makes people cry you know, when they hear and they know that their loved one will be recorded. 
So well, it, really it makes me that. cry that I didn't know you before my dad and stepdad passed because I would love to have had, you know, had this from them. But, you know, I know that you do a lot of work with assisted living and memory care communities and senior living and also, you know, a lot of even health insurance and stuff. So tell us about how our listeners out there would be able to find you, find Life Bio Memory and tap into that. It's as simple as going to lifebio.com, L-I-F-E-B-I-O.com or 866-LIFE-BIO. And uh, yeah, anybody can take part in this. So we have a a model for consumers, but we also work with organizations. We will uh, remind people at the end of this too, lifebio.com is where you're going to find all the information about tapping into this. Now, I want to kind of segue a little bit because you have just started doing this wonderful program with veterans and a university. And I want you to tell us a little bit about what is that program about and and what is it helping in our veterans community? Well, yeah, it is really an interesting program because universities have veterans who served in Afghanistan or Iraq on their campuses. They have alumni members who are Vietnam vets or other military service veterans. So this university that we're working with and we're seeing that this will spread, we hope, to many universities is bringing those two together. So current students with alumni having a chance to hear each other's veteran stories and learn. And it's good for that younger veteran to hear how that military experience impacted that person's career. You know, they need that mentor and that Vietnam vet can give experience. How did this impact the the rest of their life? in sometimes very good ways with their career, et cetera. The work ethic of the military carries people through in their work beyond their military service time. Well, I think that's so important. And that's a big piece of what you're doing is this kind of intergenerational moments, because you've talked about even in general, not just within the veterans community with these younger vets, talking to older vets and really learning about not just the challenges, but the resiliency, right, in life that sometimes is is a little bit more difficult when you come back from, you know, being a warfighter, but also grandkids, you know, giving grandkids and grandparents the gift of learning this story in almost kind of, it's not a game, but the voice and the recording and the prompts and all that make it a little bit more than just writing down somebody's story, right? Right. It's very good to bring the generations together and I mean, just this all began because I helped my grandmother tell her story. She would have been the first life bio. And I remember thinking I now know her in a, in a very deep way. So many people need that. We can't underestimate the power of the relationships in our own family. And I'd like to say to the people listening, please don't forget to tell your kids and your grandkids these stories. You may think they're not listening or they may not care, but it's not true. And it's fascinating to them what life was like before you had a cell phone. Right. <laughs> they can't even imagine what that was like or the different, you know, the things that we we had to do uh, as, as kids and the work that we did. And, you know, the tough times that people have lived through is, is absolutely helpful and inspiring for younger generations to hear about the, how do you build resilience? 
You know, how do you encourage children to be optimistic and purposeful? Tell them what you've been through. Just keep on telling them. And to have that connection to who you are, right? Like, these are my people. That's my granddad. And that's what he did when he was my age. I mean, that's, I think that's very powerful, particularly for younger adults. And, you know, some of the things that we're going through today to really understand what your family, you know, what your family's been through and, and all of those things, which is so important. So Beth, I, I also want to ask you, cause you have a really wonderful story. Your dad, as we mentioned up front, was a Vietnam veteran and tell us a little bit about your memories of your dad and his veteran experience. So I recorded my dad too. And when he did give me a chance to, to do that, when I talked to my father And let me just back up and say that my father and I were incredibly close. My dad, he's gone now, but he was just an incredible person. And I was his helper. I was always working with my father. My father was one of the hardest working people you would ever have met in your life. He just... He just knew how to work really hard. He grew up on a farm and then he went, you know, to Vietnam and then he came back and he delivered mail for 18 years and he became a postmaster and he raised, you know, was married for 50 years and raised four kids. That is my father, Laverne was his name. And he passed away in 2017. He was in Vietnam from 67 to 68. He was married in 1966 and, and basically about six months later, he was drafted and left for Vietnam. He was 24. And so he was called the old man. He was 24. Which is amazing to think of 24 being the old man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And his buddy, John, remembers the day that he showed up in their camp. And they were both Army 4th Infantry, if I'm remembering right. And John took him under his wing. John was all of 18, I think. And so dad is 24 and uh, they were, they were truck drivers. They were hauling ammunition in the central highlands of Vietnam. And it was just an incredibly hard job. You know, there was, uh, they were watching out for mines. There was minesweepers doing their job, but still at one point they blew up their truck. They ran over a landmine because if you get off that track, just any little hair, they could, they could blow, blow up their truck. So John and my dad, Laverne were in the truck when that happened one day. And and I, my dad's story of it was that the truck right in front of them was loaded with, with troops in the back of the truck. And so he was truly thankful that it was their truck that tripped the wire and, uh, hit them and and the people in front were not hurt that day. There were many stories. It was absolutely painful for him to talk about his time in Vietnam. And he also loved part of his time in Vietnam. You know, you think of the TV show like MASH, and I kind of picture his his life in Vietnam a little like that. So there was a lot of, there were good times, and then there were really, really hard times for him. But it really, he was so strong. And, and John would say, Beth, he saved my life. You know, he, he was able to keep going. It was hard. Many people, it was just a very difficult thing. And they were in so much danger. And for him to come back, and I, I will say, I believe that my father 
struggled with his time returning home. So here I am, right? He's in Vietnam in 67, 68. I'm born in 1969. And so I was raised by a man who was definitely, and my mother, of course, felt it too, haunted by those times in Vietnam. And it was a really tough thing. So I just want to say for veterans who may be listening that, you know, and for the families of veterans, it is it is not easy to come back from war. It will be difficult. It'll, it may haunt you. And uh, it, it certainly impacts your family. You know, there's, I don't think PTSD and things like that were really understood at that time. So yeah, it was something for him to be able to tell his story to me later. Okay. And it really filled in a lot of blanks and helped me understand him as just the most amazing, strong person to, to go. And they, you know, these people came home and they, they come back in society doing what they do, you know, delivering mail to people. I mean, he just was such a good father and a good worker and an incredible Vietnam vet that should, that I will continue to talk about. So he's remembered. Well, he sounds remarkable. And obviously I've done some work with you. So the hard work gene got passed down. You know, tell me a little bit, Beth, because I know obviously we do have military caregivers who are out there listening. And was it was it hard to get your dad to talk about his experiences in the war? Yes. Yeah, it didn't really happen until he was in his late I think it was his late 60s that we were able to talk about that. And he had a number of health issues because, and and your caregivers that have worked with Vietnam vets will know that, you know, they've, they were exposed to Agent Orange and a number of neurological problems and unexplained things, just difficult things. It was very tough for him on, on his body. And, and he ended up with um, diabetes, had a, a leg amputation. I mean, goodness, he went through so much. And my mother, the caregiver, and I mean, I mean, I tried to help too, but my mom was just such an amazing person to take care of him Mm. and all the needs he had. And I also want to applaud everybody out there who's working so hard to help somebody who's come back from their military service. And it it isn't going to be easy. Well, we've talked about our family caregivers of our veterans, and they really are the hidden heroes. You know, we like to um, really honor the heroes that come back from the wars, but we forget that there's heroes on the home front, which are family caregivers as well. Do you, uh, you've done a lot of research. I know you've gotten some wonderful grants from the National Institute on Aging. Do you feel that, um, have you seen in the research that you've done that your life bio memory really does help people tell their story? Like if you were to sit down and ask someone their story, you might, you know, get this or that, but do you really feel like this is, this is a real great tool for families? I think it is because we just need to open those conversations and make it easy for people to talk to each other. I think we sometimes do get into that caregiver mode and it it comes down to, okay, what are we eating? What are we doing? All the, the uh, tasks of life when this time, part of our time as a caregiver needs to be just be and listen and sit and talk about something that is unrelated to daily life. And I know that people love to go back. They love to talk about their hometown. Tell me about your neighbors as kids. Tell me about your time on the farm. Tell me about your first day on the job, dad, at the post office, right? Those kinds of things 
people want to talk about. People and talk I've, about what they want to talk about, you know? Yeah. And I've heard you, you call it reminiscence therapy. I mean, there is actually a scientific term for it. And we know that those types of things can actually help us be healthier, right? That's right. We've found that we can lower depression. We've found we lower depression by 15%, even in nursing homes. We have found that we've reduced loneliness. Loneliness is a major health risk that leads to higher incidences of heart problems and diabetes and even Alzheimer's disease. So engaging other people and helping people not be lonely is something that I'm really passionate about. And I'm sure everybody out there listening wants to try to reduce loneliness. So anyway, story, you know, listening and telling one story is a good way to do narrative care and to really understand someone and walk in their shoes. And I think that's what our our military family members and the caregivers caring for them need us to do. We have to come alongside people and walk in their shoes and listen, open the door to those conversations. Yeah. So, I I mean, to me, this is the perfect holiday gift. You know, we're, we're right in the midst of holiday time and all we hear on the news is supply chain problems. We, you may not get your gift, you know? And so I say, look at something like Life Bio. There's no supply chain problem, right? That's right. The software is there. We, and, and uh, we even have journals and things we can ship. We're right here in the United States of America. <laughs> well, and that's the thing we didn't talk about. So you've got the recording that you can yeah. tap into as a family member, but you also do a really beautiful book and right. We do. We do. So we can uh, record. We also can produce a book. I, you know what? I have one sitting right here. I'm oh, good. Sorry. I love show and tell. <laughs> going to open it up and show you. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, well, as you're doing that, um, and I just, oh, look at that. That's just gorgeous. Just yeah. beautiful. I mean, what a wonderful thing to have, right? I mean, we're all looking at photo albums. Sometimes they're just digitized and on our computer and we don't get to really look at them in that kind of, you know, tactile way, right? We're holding something. So yeah. Beth, thank you so much for being on our show today. I want to remind everybody that if you want to do one of these life bios for yourself or for a loved one, go to lifebio.com and check it out. Great holiday gift. And Beth, again, happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans and our military carriers. And also thank you so much for what you're doing, not just for our military families, but just for caregivers and for older adults, you know, nationwide. Thank you so much for having me, Sherry. Congrats on the launch of this amazing podcast. Yeah, we're very excited. So great to have you as a guest. Take care. Take care. So as you know, in addition to our caregiver wellness news, we also like to bring you news about our homes and how those environments actually help us be healthier, be more well, both for ourselves as well as for our older loved ones. So here is our home design wellness for a lifetime news. I mentioned earlier about things that we can do to modify our homes, make them more accessible and more safe. So one thing that is an opportunity for military family caregivers through the Veterans Administration, there are special grants. They're called Temporary Residence Adaptation 
And these are grants that you can get to make those home modifications. The grants usually range between $2,000 to $15,000. And that will help, you know, to build ramps or to, you know, lower countertops or make them adjustable, you know, do other things that are very assistive for our military veterans, particularly those who may have certain physical limitations. And so those are things that you should definitely tap into if you're a military caregiver. There's also a couple of organizations I mentioned earlier in our other news segment about Gary Sinise, who's just a really wonderful person. He's a great actor, by the way. He played Lieutenant Dan in the Forrest Gump movie. And ever since, he's really been very active and involved in supporting our military families through his Gary Sinise Foundation. And then another organization called the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which is founded by Frank Stiller and his other family members to honor his brother, Stephen Stiller, who was a firefighter who was lost in the 9-11 tragedy. Both of these organizations are doing fantastic things for our military family caregivers and military veterans, and that is to offer 100% mortgage-free homes to those veterans and their families, and particularly to build smart homes. So again, there's a lot of smart technology that is built into these homes that we offer to our veterans and their families who have paid and made the, the highest sacrifice for all of us for our freedom. Now, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation also does this for law enforcement and firefighters and military families who may have lost their loved one. And the last thing that you want to have to worry about is what you're going to do now that your loved one is no longer with you. You don't want to lose your home, particularly if you have younger kids. And so the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is really great and they will give you that mortgage-free home for a lifetime. So two wonderful organizations. If you're thinking about doing any giving for Giving Tuesday, which is after Thanksgiving in November, think about both of these organizations because they just do wonderful, wonderful things. Now, for those of you who may not be military family caregivers, there still is help for our older loved ones or our loved ones who may have certain physical disabilities. And that's the Rebuilding Together organization. So they have different chapters across the country. You can find them online. We'll have a link to them on our resource page, but they will come in with volunteer help. You have to qualify, but if you have a certain need and you don't really have the money to do the home modification yourself, you can tap into their support and they will come in and they'll make small modifications and different things that they can do, like putting in grab bars and things in the bathroom, helping with, again, cabinetry and other things that make it a little bit more accessible, putting in ramps. So again, another great resource for family caregivers to get some of that much needed help to make our homes a little bit more comfortable and certainly more healthy and well for our loved ones who need those changes and those adaptations to stay at home. So uh, again, two really wonderful organizations. I also want to just do a quick shout out for anybody who's looking for more wellness designs. We have uh, uh, several different articles and research that I've been doing on our website, caregivingclub.com. Look at our tab called the snug home. You could read the story about what the snug home means, but I'll just do again, another quick shout out 
part of the snug home name came from my stepdad, who was a Navy veteran. And you can read about Snug Harbor. And I've, I'm actually wearing my um, my pen today. For those of you who are maybe watching us on YouTube, I've got my stepdad's pen, which is uh, the American flag and the U.S. Navy flag on today to honor him. So check those articles out. There's a lot of really great things that are being done now in wellness design in the home. So exciting. And we're happy to share that with you at the Snug Home. I'm really honored to have author, entrepreneur, and veteran Robert Ray, CEO of Blue Star Senior Tech, on the show today. Before we get into our interview with Robert, I just want to remind our listeners that Blue Star Senior Tech is offering our listeners a special discount on any purchases that are made on their site. Just use our special discount code, CARE20, that's C-A-R-E-20, and you'll get a 20% discount off of all of your purchases. And the best part is your purchases also go to support veterans organizations. And you can find those organizations listed on their website. What could be better? This is a win-win-win. So let's listen to my interview with retired Rear Admiral of the U.S. Navy, Robert Ray, who represents one of my favorite quotes, real heroes don't wear capes, they wear dog tags. So as you know, today is Veterans Day. Actually, it's the day we celebrate Veterans Day because officially Veterans Day is always the 11th day of the 11th month of the year. So it's always on November 11th, but we're obviously celebrating and recognizing today on Monday when our podcast drops. And just to give a little shout out to all of our veterans and our military families, we have quite a few veterans who are actually caregivers of loved ones. And then we have an additional, you know, uh, I think it's anywhere between four and 7 million family members who are caring for our veterans who have returned from our various wars and different things that we've had. And so we're really, really honored today to have a veteran with us. And he is a, a much distinguished person. So it's perfect. Retired Rear Admiral of the U.S. Navy and now CEO of Blue Star Senior Tech and Blue Star Telehealth, Robert Ray. Rob, happy Veterans Day. Thank you for your service and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, we always like to do a little shout out to our local communities. Where are we talking to you from today? We are in beautiful downtown Rockville, Maryland, which is, uh, you know, 15 miles north of Washington, D.C. Fantastic. Well, welcome Rockville listeners and everybody else out there. We like to show that we're talking to people all over the country about caregiving and technology and all those different things. So before we launch into having you tell us a lot more about Blue Star Senior Tech and your telehealth, your latest telehealth venture that you're doing, I really would love if you could tell our audience a little bit about your wonderful, you know, illustrious career with the U.S. Navy, and then what brought you to create this age tech venture called Blue Star Senior Tech? Let's start with your background first. Okay, well, uh, I was a nuclear engineer uh, on Navy surface ships all through my 20s and spent a lot of time at sea and away from the family. And at age 30 or so, we were having kids and I decided to become a reservist so we could live in one place and spent my 30s and 40s in a bunch of different businesses and in the reserves. And at the end of my 40s, I got mobilized to Baghdad and then got promoted to Admiral. And the Navy said, come back on active duty. So I spent my 50s back on active duty in the Navy. And at the end of that time being Admiral, I decided to go back into business, which is what I enjoyed doing before. 
And at that point, we were in our 50s and all of our friends were in their 50s and everybody had moms and dads in their 70s and 80s and 90s. And we thought, wow, lots of cool technologies for those folks, the burgeoning of Wi-Fi and cellular and smartphones and the Internet of Things and lots of seniors rapidly growing. And so that's what came together to form a Blue Star Senior Tech. So you have this wonderful site where you have a a really great range of products. Tell us a little bit about the types of products that our listeners are going to find on Blue Star Senior Tech. The prototypical use case was a 55-year-old daughter who lives two hours away from her 80-year-old mom who lives alone. And that was the situation in our family. What can that daughter do to help mom live a better life because mom doesn't want to move in with daughter and daughter can't move in with mom. So what technologies are available? Things like fall detection or wander prevention or taking medicine on time or staying interactive. So we built our suite of products around three buckets. One was safety, one was health, and the third was connection. So we want to keep people safe, healthy, and connected in their homes with non-prescription items, things that, again, the 55-year-old daughter could buy and and, uh, provide for her mom. So that sort of is what defined our solution set. Well, and, you know, it's so important because obviously with the pandemic that we've all been going through and still, you know, very challenged with today, we're seeing more and more people really think about how do I keep my older loved one safe in their home, healthy in their home. So it's it's almost like all of this technology for aging at home has taken on a new significance. Can you talk well, about that? Absolutely. The, the COVID crisis has accentuated all the things that we had been preaching about for years. You and I have been at senior conferences talking about senior isolation and its health effects and and depression and its health effects, the morbidities associated with that. And so all this came to a head in a very difficult way during the COVID crisis when senior isolation went through the roof. And then the question is, okay, I can't go to see mom. She might be in a nursing home or I might not be able to travel to get to her. How can we be connected and how can we keep her safe and how can we keep her healthy? And so I I hate to say it, but the COVID kind of put an exclamation point on the basic theme or thesis of our Blue Star Senior Tech business. I've talked to a lot of people about this and we've said in the past, it was like, well, some of that technology is kind of a nicety, but now it's almost a necessity, right? Yes, increasingly. And the The healthcare system is recognizing this, and now for the first time ever, the healthcare system is starting to pay for things that we used to ask families to buy themselves. And because the healthcare system is recognizing that these simple in-home technologies can prevent greater health issues later on. Right. Can you give us some examples? I know that, for instance, for older adults who are on Medicare, there are certain things now that are being covered as a Medicare benefit. Can you give us some more information? Well, for instance, silver sneakers is often a Medicare advantage, which is just essentially seniors going to gyms to be healthy and to exercise. And the, the healthcare system used to only take care of people once they got sick. They didn't ever try to prevent sickness. Another very specific and important example is putting equipment in the home to manage hypertension or high blood pressure. 100 million Americans have high blood pressure. Two out of three seniors have high blood pressure. 
four out of five ladies over the age of 75 have high blood pressure. And it's the leading cause of strokes, heart attacks, ER visits, lots of bad things. Well, it used to be you had to go down to CVS or Walgreens and buy your own blood pressure cuff and sort of try to manage it. Or Blue Star would try to sell a system to the family so that they could manage it via the smartphone. But now CMS is the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services. They are reimbursing doctors to prescribe remote patient monitoring equipment in the home to manage blood pressure. And then the doctor or the doctor's nurses check up on it. So that's one example of something that wasn't being supported by the healthcare system before, but now is. And the number of people using that system is going through the roof, which means that that's that much better a health outcomes for those senior Americans. So that kind of brings us to your latest venture, which is the Blue Star Telehealth. Tell us a little bit about what that service is. That is essentially providing in-home technology. Remember, we've been providing in-home technology for years and years. We've, we've installed hardware and software in the homes of probably 20,000 Americans, okay? Right. But it was families paying for it themselves. Now, since the government is supporting the management of diabetes and obesity and blood pressure and COPD and CHF. Now we are increasingly narrowing our focus. We're still putting equipment, software and hardware in homes, still predominantly senior homes, but now it's equipment that's been ordered by their doctor and paid for by the healthcare system. So Blue Star Telehealth is essentially still Blue Star Senior Tech, but it's focused on on telehealth, and that is we've moved from the direct-to-consumer side of the world to the business-to-business side of the world. And so we are dealing with hospitals and clinics and doctor's offices that say, hey, here's my hypertensive patients. Please put this equipment into their homes so that their families can manage mom's hypertension through a smartphone, but also our nursing staff can manage Mrs. Smith's hypertension through the software. Right. And, you know, Rob, one of the things that I've seen with our older population, a lot of people think, well, the older population doesn't really like to embrace technology and they didn't, they're not digital natives like our younger generations. But what I've found is if there's a value in the technology and we can give them a little coaching and, you know, help them understand how, you know, to open up apps or do these things, they're off to the races. What what are the things that you've seen with the older population? Well, first of all, particularly if you read the AARP studies or or any studies that are put out at the federal level, the rate of senior capabilities in tech grows every day. It used to be you couldn't find a senior with a smartphone. Now, three quarters of seniors have smartphones. They're not using all of the capabilities of the smartphone. My parents are 85 and 89, and they both have smartphones. Again, they're they're not using all of all of the smartness in the smartphones, but it used to be you couldn't find an 80-year-old that had a smartphone. So we have found that senior capabilities are growing. That's number one. Number two, they can be coached over the phone. Number three, you don't have to get into the intricate detail. Heck, I, I probably only use 30% of my smartphone, so I can't fault yeah. my dad for using 10% of his. <laughs> but But you want to focus on the things that are really important. And so, for instance, our our blood pressure cuffs don't require smartphone interface. You just put them on and you press a button and the data goes up to the web via a cellular connection. So it doesn't take uh, 
sophisticated technological expertise in order to do that. So the combination of smarter seniors, more elegant technical solutions, and a little bit of coaching, there are old dogs that are learning new tricks. And (laughs) and we're using those new tricks to, you know, to help them be healthier and safer. Well, and I love when you started off with your story, because I do feel like the family caregivers, usually the adult daughter, as you mentioned, or even the adult son, or even a, a grandchild, are really the ones that help facilitate this. You know, they're the ones that kind of say, hey, mom, or hey, granddad, you know, this is really cool. And I think we ought to get something like this for you. Or as you said, now it's even the healthcare system is kind of saying this is the way we're going to move in the future. We rely a lot on adult children to get past technical hurdles. Pretty much the most complicated thing we have to do is occasionally we have to pair a device via Bluetooth to another device. They're supposed to do it on their own, but sometimes they don't. Another thing is getting a Wi-Fi password in. But in the grand scheme of things, those aren't that tough. And if the senior doesn't know how to input his or her Wi-Fi password, or they don't know what it is, then typically someone in their family will. And then, then we move on. Right. Well, and that kind of brings me to my last question. You know, you and I spoke before this podcast about all of the the studies and the surveys. I focus so much on caregiver wellness, and we're seeing a lot of indicators of caregivers really feeling that emotional health impact, you know, burnout and certainly fatigue. And what really astounds me is the younger generation caregivers who are millennials or even the Gen Z, they're really feeling it even more. So Obviously, as a veteran, and I know military families are are great at resiliency and really being able to build up, you know, the inventory, if you will, of, of resiliency tools. What can you tell our audience from both your experience and, and what you've seen? What are the types of things they can do to have more resiliency in the face of life's challenges, whether it's caregiving or pandemics or everything else going on? Caregiving is such an important area. And Blue Star, we set up a website for caregivers just to, to provide resources. And we did a, a little study for AARP looking at military caregivers or caregivers of military families, speaking of Veterans Day, versus caregivers of non-military families. And there were a lot of differences, but one of the differences was the average age of the caregiver was younger. In other words, caregiving started earlier in life. Yeah. And that the, the period of caregiving was longer because the caregiving started earlier in life. You know, if you have a, a husband who's disabled at age 30, you might be a caregiver for him for 40 or 50 years. Right. So there is a difference. But back to your question about military caregiver resiliency. Military family resiliency comes from two places. The first is it's a support network. If there's a a military base, and and I'm just going to, for the sake of simplicity, assume that the males are deployed and the females are at home with family, okay, even though that's certainly, it's certainly the, oftentimes the reverse. But those women who are at home with the husbands away form a network of friendship and caregiving and taking care of each other. So, and this, you don't have to be in the military to do this. So the, my first, my first recommendation to any caregiver is, have a care network, a team, have someone that you can call when the car is broken or when, you know, when the power goes out or something else happens. And and it's better to have five or six people. And if they can't be your neighbors, then have them be relatives or friends, but don't go it alone. That's number one. And then the second thing that is common to both military 
caregivers and to all caregivers is there's a huge amount of help out there. There's an overwhelming amount of help out there. And the hard part is finding the help where and when you need it. So again, on a military base or in a military community, there's lots and lots of different organizations that simply exist to take care of families when the service people are deployed. In a given neighborhood, for any caregiver in America, if you just Google caregiver assist, our mind was boggled when we attempted to put together caregiver resources. In any given county in America, there's 30 or 40 organizations that exist to help people who have difficulties at home. And so reach out, take advantage of them. Don't assume that they don't exist. Assume that they do exist and you just don't know where they are. And it's astounding how much assistance you can get from from religious organizations, from community organizations, from government organizations. So to reprise my very, very long soliloquy here, number one, have kind of a care team. And number two, reach out and get assistance that is in your area the chances are you don't know about. Well, that that is so important. And that's something we advocate here at Caregiving Club all the time. So tell us again, what is the website that gives good information? And and it sounds like maybe even some community connections for family caregivers. Um, Google Blue Star Caregivers. Okay. It's a .org. Okay. And it has hundreds and hundreds of free resources because we wanted to just create something for caregivers and so, again, my mind was blown. We just kept thinking, oh, there can't be any more caregiver resources. And there just are and are and are. And so we've listed dozens and dozens of websites, including yours, of course, Thank you. Um, as, as a resource for people that are looking for it. So it's structured. Actually, there's a section for military caregivers, and there's all different other things. So go and look at the site and, and have a blast. And I think that's really important because... I don't want people to think it's just for military caregivers. It's for no, it's all not, caregivers, not all. Yes, which ma'am. is really wonderful. So I'm, I'm very excited to announce just before we got on the podcast, Robert and his team have decided that if you do purchase from Senior Star or uh, Blue Star Senior Tech, that we will have a 20% discount for our listeners at Caregiving Club on air. And it is CARE20. So C-A-R-E 20 is the code you want to put in, you'll get a 20% discount. And also your purchases do also help veterans organizations. Because I know, Rob, that all of your things that you sell on your site, you do give back to veterans organizations. Yes, we have a 501c3 that provides support to elderly veterans and their spouses and widows. Great. Well, and what I just want to do a little shout out because, Rob, you, you told us about your background, but I wanted to share this because I love this from your bio. And I, your wife, Mary Ellen, and you have six children. And I love that you have four kids-in-law and eight grandchildren. But here's my favorite part. Your interests include sailing. That's natural. You're a Navy man. Reading history, which I love. Playing the piano. The Red Sox. How are they doing, by the way? They're in the playoffs. <laughs> I, okay, that's good. I, I'm not the sports expert, so I'm glad that it's good news for the Red Sox. And I love this, avoiding yard work. Okay, and I'm going to join you. Avoiding housework would be part of my bio. <laughs> my, my yard doesn't look as nice as yours. So well, I I'm, wish I'm this envious. was my yard. Exactly. <laughs> well, Rob, again, I just want to thank you both for your service, but also your service today to our listeners telling us all about Blue Star Senior Tech and Blue Star Telehealth. 
And thank you. And I know my, you know, I'm the daughter of a proud Navy man and my late stepdad is up there and I know he's looking down on us and smiling and saying, way to go and happy Veterans Day to you. All right. Thank you very much, Sherry. Take care. Welcome to our Me Time Monday Wellness Hack. This episode, we offer a virtual version of the Lantern Festival. Today, we are going to focus on letting go of feelings that may be weighing you down. Perhaps you feel guilty over not doing enough for the person you are caring for, or you feel guilt over not having enough time for the other loved ones in your life. Others of you may be experiencing feelings of grief that you are losing someone you love deeply and thus losing a part of yourself. We often talk about finding grace in tough moments throughout our lives. For many of us, our faith provides this state of grace. There is another side of grace, however, where the spiritual meaning of grace is the concept of receiving something from someone and passing it on until the environment around you begins to change. This Lantern Festival exercise is designed to literally take your feelings and let them go in the environment. Letting go of feelings that weigh you down, letting go of the loss you feel, spreading love and gratitude to those still around you. This is what today's Me Time Monday Wellness Hack is all about. The Lantern Festival goes back almost 2,000 years, where it began in China and is typically held on the 15th day of the Lunar New Year in January. However, many Asian countries also release lanterns during the Mid-Autumn Festival. Today, countries around the globe hold these lantern festival events in September, October, or November. The original purpose was to honor deceased ancestors by allowing their spirits to float to the heavens. In modern times, lantern festivals are social gatherings where families and friends come together to promote reconciliation, peace, and forgiveness. Many family caregivers find this event cathartic by writing out notes about their feelings of guilt or grief and literally releasing them into the air to start anew. By letting go of feelings of guilt, regret, frustration, or sadness and seeking forgiveness, we feel lighter physically and there is an emotional sense of closure and gratitude. Now, I know many of you are very environmentally conscious Or maybe you have a firefighter in the family and you may be wondering if releasing a candle lit balloon into the air is a good idea. The answer would be, do not try this on your own. The best way to do something outside, as has been done over centuries of this ceremonial event, is to search for lantern festivals being organized by professionals or groups near you. And believe me, there are hundreds of these events throughout the year, usually in the fall, that you can find. This ensures that all safety precautions are taken, all local permits are secured, the lanterns are biodegradable, and any straying balloons are tracked by event organizers to ensure wildlife are not impacted. In Southern California, where I live, we do a version of the Lantern Festival, which is the Floating Lantern Festival. Instead of releasing balloons into the air, we release special candle votives with our messages onto the water. This way, organizers ensure all the floaters do not make it out to sea or sink. Thus, we protect ourselves, our communities, and the wildlife. Now, for many, you still want something that might be a little bit more eco-friendly. And I've seen these 
types of lantern festivals turn into things like bubble ceremonies. We've also seen sparklers where people come with what we typically think of as July the 4th sparklers and light up the night sky. Or for some of you, you may prefer a more solitary moment where you write out your feelings and then toss them into the fireplace and watch those negative feelings melt away. So let's spend the next half a minute or so enjoying this, this video of One Lantern Festival. everyone for joining us at Caregiving Club on air. Remember to send us your emails at podcast at caregivingclub.com and don't forget to include your first name and your hometown. And you can also learn more at caregivingclub.com. We look forward to having you back for our next episode. Until then, take care and stay well. <laughs>